that bothers me that I could have, like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why was I afraid to take that chance? All right, friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. This is an episode about perspective. I'm going to share a little bit of a personal story with you. Trust me, get to the end. You'll be better for it. A little bit of office talk. How are you handling your office meetings? Closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. All right, friends, thank you for all the messages, all the emails, all the shout outs I've got. Please keep them coming. I want to hear from you. If you like this content, if you gain anything from any of the episodes, please tell a friend, leave a five-star review. However you found out, let someone else know how you found out about it. You didn't just stumble upon this. I'm thinking someone told you or you did a search, but we are growing. I love collaborating with all of you. I have a mastermind group with some of you guys all across the country. It's awesome. Collaboration is key. Iron sharpens iron. I want to get better. You want to get better. We all want to get better. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different, but stay with me. Trust me. As you go through the rundown, you'll get through where I'm going and you're going to be better for it. You're going to be way better for it. But I want to start off with a little bit of a just perspective. This is an episode on perspective. Did you ever go through life and you always saw something a certain way and then something happens? There's a, a death or you almost went broke, you almost went bankrupt or just something way less than ideal happened and it just changed your perspective completely. I've had this a couple of times. Like in high school, uh, rolled my car on the highway, walked away from it. It just messed with my head a little bit. That was the first time I realized that life is fragile, that you know, a lot of people that get in that car accident, they might not have made it. I saw myself as having an opportunity, tried to make the most of that, right? Doesn't mean I haven't done stupid things along the way, but it gave me a perspective. Well, this past week, I got the biggest like gut punch ever, the biggest perspective I think I've had in a long time. And my cousin, 32, 33 years old, has a 10-month-old son, just found out that she has breast cancer. Triple negative, I believe what it's called, highly aggressive, and it it really it, it hits hard, right? I have four kids, seven, five, three, and one. To her, for her to have a ten-month-old son to have this, you know, diagnosis, and the survival rates, the five-year, when it's you know you know hasn't metastasized at all, ninety-one percent regional, sixty-one, you know, distant twelve. That's a really tough pill to swallow. And not from a perspective of you know, your own mortality, but your kids, right? That's, that's something that I've really changed as I became a father is my kids are my world in the sense that everything I do is to give them more opportunities, to give them perspective, uh, to help them not make the mistakes that I've made, to give them opportunities that I didn't have, right? So before I get there, just, I believe in the power of prayer. If you believe in the power of prayer, please send her some shouts, uh, some prayers her way because she needs them. I think she's going to get through this. It's going to be fine, but that's the least we can do with this. I can do at this point. Now, that being said, this perspective really made me think if I were going to be in this situation, if it was me going, 
what would I tell my kids? What would I try to instill in them so they have my, my not my legacy, but my wisdom that I can instill in them, right? I thought so hard is you have to simplify it. When you're at this point, what, what matters? And I came up with three things. I'm going to share one of them with you, okay? And the one thing I want my kids to know, and this is something I, I do this, and thankfully I do this every day, is never let fear get in the way of you doing something great. Never let fear get in the way of you doing something at all, right? Take chances, go big. My biggest wins in my life, proposing to my wife seven weeks after meeting her, uh, starting my business, you know, trying to play college football when you're 5'4", you know, 140 pounds, right? Those big risks when the world is looking at you saying, this is not the right move, or are you sure you can do that? Do you know what you're doing? And I took the risk and I haven't looked back. I regret the shots I didn't take. I regret the opportunities I didn't maximize. I wish I would have more offices now 12 years in. I wish that I'm I'm thankful for you know my wife and meeting her, but it took me getting all that energy, all that confidence to ask her out, to make that move. That bothers me that I could have, like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why was I afraid to take that chance, right? I wouldn't change my wife, but I wish I would have been a little more bold earlier on. Like, I was introduced to her in, in theory, like five, six years before. Didn't do anything about it, and timing is what it is. But again, you regret the shots you did not take. You regret the opportunities you didn't take advantage of. And a lot of times, because you're scared, you were afraid about what this world was going to think about you and you didn't care about how you felt inside and knowing who you are as a person and what you stand for. Who cares what stones people throw at you, right? They don't matter. The people that you think are thinking about you really aren't, right? They have their own stuff to think about. And that's what I want my kids to know. You know, other two other things, and I'll share them with you later maybe. Send me an email. I'll gladly share them with you. But that's something I want them to know. And that's a perspective that was given to me because of the situation my cousin is in. Now, let's let's move this to optometry. All right. I told you, follow me on this path. We're going to get there. So I was talking to my buddy. And if you've been following the show, you know I love to work out. All right. About a year and a, two years ago, uh, I was getting ready to have my, fir- my fourth child, my first son. And I'm like, Ugh. I got to get back in fighting shape. I got to gain weight. I got to get big. So if you know anything about working out, uh, there's bulking, there's cutting, there's maintaining. I wanted to go into a bulk phase. I wanted to get as big as I possibly could, as strong as I could. And I went from 138, and I was going to go, I want to be 160. Yeah, that's pretty aggressive when you're an old man, right? But I'm like, let's get after it. And I got up to about 150, 152, literally engorging myself with calories, getting stronger than ever. I had to buy all new pants, my friends. Literally buying new pants because I outgrew them. Uh, New belts, new shirts. It was a little ridiculous, right? And again, it wasn't like it was a muscle-bound maniac. I just went from being like stick man who wasn't working out and being middle-aged to let's get back into fighting shape. And what I saw is because I have an Apple Watch. And I tracked it from when I started bulking to like maybe two, three months ago. My average heart rate used to be 
low 60s, high 50s, right? It shot up to like 74, 75, mid 70s, right? Like not healthy. I'm sure I didn't do myself any favors there, but you know, you read enough stuff on the internet and carnivore diet and getting big is the way to go, right? You find the answers you're looking for. Well, and the effort of trying to reduce stress back when I was in Chicago, I'd run. So I added a little bit of cardio back to my my exercise routine because that buddy I was talking to, he's like, your heart rate shouldn't be that high, man. This is not healthy. So I started tracking it. And the funny thing is, as I started adding cardio, my heart rate would be low 60s during the weekend, still mid to high 70s in the work week. And the but my friend that I was talking to, he's a big dog, works for a big corporation. And when they do hiring, they look at people's personalities. And one of the key things he said is, when we look at a potential hire, we want to know if work energizes them or if it drains them, right? Work can do one of two things. And the person that goes to work and it drains them, you have to figure out why it's draining them and what you can do to solve that problem. And he said that the majority of the time that that happens is that they go into the work setting with a false belief of who they have to be. They are trying to be the person they think they need to be for the role. For example, Dr. Lily, right? When I go in, I'm a certain way when I'm talking to my friends, when I'm with my wife behind closed doors. But when I'm Dr. Lily, I have to be a certain way in my head. I have to carry myself a certain way, wear the certain clothes, say the right things, do all this. A lot of pressure I'm self-inducing, right? So that made me go back and think of what we were just talking about. The perspective I got about, are you living in fear or are you doing what you want to do, right? Are you taking those shots? Is work draining you or is work energizing you? And if I'm having my heart rate, even though I don't feel stress, your body will tell you what's going on. I say this to my patients all the time. People that have uh, myokymia, people that have central serous. Your body is telling you there's an issue. Either you're going to listen to it or it's going to find a way to shut you down. My body's talking to me. Am I willing to listen? So over the past few weeks, added cardio, just been mentally aware of, is it really that big a deal? Am I focusing on the things that matter or am I getting caught up in something that's really not that substantial? And surprisingly, my heart rate has been lower when I'm at work the past few weeks. That's pretty amazing, right? Your body will tell you when you're on the right path. That shift in mindset, that perspective I got from my cousin's situation, and I'm thinking about what I want to tell my kids, has shaped me to be in a different situation when I'm at work. I'm finding a way to make it energize me and not drain me. I'm focusing on the things that matter versus the things that I thought mattered. There's a difference, and obviously my body's adjusting to that. So that's my that's the message, right? Are you doing what energizes you? Or are you going to work and it's draining you? I've talked to a couple of you via email, mastermind group, and work is draining, right? And you're like, why is this happening? Do I want to be in this? The answer is no. If it's draining you, no. But you... Being the astute doctor that you are, need to diagnose the source of the problem. What is causing you stress and are you going to listen to your body, to your gut and change it? All right? 
That's a two-part battle, my friends. One, seeing it. Actually, three-part. One, being aware that it's a problem. Two, diagnosing it. And three, having the gumption to make a change. Whether it's, I'm cutting my hours. I'm cutting this staff. I'm cutting this responsibility. But you have to choose. Now, a way that I've, I've heard, I heard this, I think, today or the other day on a podcast. And they said that a lot of times we think of where we want to go. You've heard me say I want a $10 million you know, gross practice practices in 10 years, right? That's one way to go. That's a hard way. You look and say, okay, how do I do this? The other perspective, and this I thought was enlightening, is you are that $10 million office. You already have that mindset. How does that person act? When someone brings you this problem, no, I have the $10 million practice owner is not doing that because he is way too busy doing this. Have the mindset now. Make the change now. It's a shift in perspective. That's what I wanted to give you. Not only, you know, story of my cousin, the way I've seen that with optometry, what was energizing me, what was draining me, but the mindset you have to have to be who you want to be, to go where you want to go. I'll leave you with this. What you value is what you spend your time on. If you tell me you value your kids, if you tell you you value your health, if you value dry eye, you value myopia management, right? What does your schedule look like at the office? Do you have spots for dry eye? Or you don't have spots for them and you just fill it as you go? It's not a priority. You care about your health, but you don't make time to work out. You're too busy for that. You don't make time to go to the gym, to go to the store to buy the lettuce, buy the lean chicken. By the you know lean beef. I don't care what it is. Whatever you're trying to do to be healthier. If you're not making the time for it, it doesn't matter. Right? Remember, I said it would be hard. One, recognize it. Two, diagnose it. Three, make a change to make it happen. What do you spend your time on? That's what matters. Look at your calendar. Look at your phone. Chart a couple days worth of what you're doing minute by minute. Hour, just do it by the hour. You're going to be surprised at what you're spending a lot of time on how much you're scrolling social media, how much you're literally looking at Facebook or you're you know, having conversation about X, Y, or Z when you say you're a dry eye practice, right? How much time have you spent researching dry eye, myopia management, headache clinic, how to motivate your staff, right? What matters to you is what you spend your time on. Look at your calendar. That's the ultimate illumination, all right? So that's what I have for you. We'll have more next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. Today, I want to tell you about the office meetings I've been having. So as I've told you through this journey, we added office managers, right? Optical manager, admin manager. They are handling my day-to-day meetings. In my office meeting, I used to talk about housekeeping stuff. You know, hey, make sure you're highlighting this on the chart or on the uh, affiche or the insurance form that we print out. Or when you put stuff into the computer, make sure you put this here. Hey, when you check someone out, make sure you're saying this X, Y, or Z to sell your supply of contacts. I don't care. All these little mundane day-to-day things. Now, again, do you think that's something that I should be spending my time on or that's what my managers should be spending their time on? Obviously, the managers. That's below my pay grade, right? So I'm delegating that, and I want my meetings to be more big picture. My meetings have to have three areas of focus. 
We're talking numbers. So areas that they can change, your supply of contacts, AR coatings, frame sold, how many patients we have on the schedule, X, Y, or Z, things that matter that they control. Those are the numbers I share with them. We talk culture. How can we trust each other more? How can we uh, define our brand? How can we work better as a team, right? And then dry eye. Every office meeting, I treat that like I'm presenting to an audience and I'm educating my staff on dry eye. How I educate the patients, how I educate my staff, it's fun, but I'm always trying to come up with a new way to motivate them to be interested in dry eye. What did I find out new this month that they're going to learn? Okay, those are the three areas that I focus on. Now, within this, one of the things that I'm trying to do is build our brand. Right? When you think brand, what is brand? It's how a business, how a you know, Nike, how an Apple, how they make you feel. So I asked my staff, and this was the big focus that we had is, what is our brand? All right? And they're like, optimize eyes. What does that mean? Right? We had a, we had a whole brand statement that we did, a marketing company made for us, and it's a bunch of those, you know, long, drawn-out mission statement type things. And I started the meeting off, and I'm like, read all these. Then I did my culture. I did my numbers. I did, I did my drag, I did my numbers, and then I went over to culture. And I'm like, okay, that paper we read, recite me recite me any of it. And, and there's six key bullet points. Every single one of our staff members read one. We couldn't remember any of it. Like, you think that's our brand? That's really what motivates you? And then they started going, and we started having this conversation. And we kind of worked through it. We didn't get there. We didn't define it. But it's on their mind now. Every time I have my morning huddle in the morning, What's our brand today? What are we doing? What's our thing? We kind of settle on we're, we're here for you, right? When they come in, they know we're here. And we're shaping that. We're defining that. I am meeting with another company to try and modify that to polish it. But I'm including them from ground zero. As we redefine who we are, as we move into the new space, this new era, they're right on the cutting edge. They're right at ground zero. You think that's going to have more of an effect? I do. I think they're going to buy in with it. That's why I'm trying to include them. That's why I want them part of the process. That's a meeting in my mind that's productive and effective. When you guys have office meetings, what are you doing? How often are you doing them? I always say, bare minimum, you do it once a month. A whole staff office meeting. Your direct reports, I think you should meet weekly. Me, with my staff, as we get the day started, we have a daily morning huddle every day. Go over the key points of the day, things I want to emphasize, things that we might be missing, things we got to do better. But I set the tone on a daily. I will continue to do that. When I have other doc doctors in, they'll have their team that they're working with. They're going to set the tone. Everyone needs to be on the same page. Okay? So make the meeting effective. Make it productive. But you need to have key points that you're emphasizing in your meetings. Make sure that when you're leading a meeting, it is the CEO perspective. It's not those day-to-day -day ground type issues that anyone, your office manager, uh, lead optician could lead, right? Your stuff, your time needs to be bigger picture, bigger purpose. Tune in, we'll have more for you next week. Where or where has the time gone? We are to the closing thought of the episode. 
So one of the things that I've realized as you get good at what you do is that the better you are, the less appreciated the skill is. For example, think about refracting. How long it used to take you to refract in, you know, optometry school. Now you can do a refraction like two, three minutes and you're good. If you do stuff too quickly, even the exam, you examine too quickly, there's no value of that skill because it should take longer. They don't realize that you've gotten that good, that you've honed your craft to that level that you can get it done in that short of time. So there's this song and dance that you play where you, you know, make it take a little longer, you examine a little bit more thoroughly. When you had the diagnosis, you had the plan, you had the answer like two minutes into the conversation. But I also want you to know that one of the signs of respect, one of the ultimate, you know, compliments you can get is that someone looks at what you do and they think they can do it because you make it look so easy, right? When they see what you do and you're like, oh, that can't be that hard. And then they try it themselves. I think a lot of times of private practice owners, we lose sight of that. We get so good at our craft. We get so dialed in that we lose perspective, that we think it's actually easy until that outside person comes and they're like, oh, that's all you have to do. Let me go and do it. And then they're calling you for help. How do you do this? How do you handle your vendors? How do you handle this staff situation? You're like, oh, of course, you just do this. You do that. And you realize the talent isn't the differentiating factor. It's the experience, right? The experience that you've gained over the years is what sets you apart. Because talent, comparable, right? All of us have a certain level of ability, certain level of talent to get here. But the experience, the willingness to never give up, to never leave, to keep going forward, and the experience you gain is why you make it look easy, why other people think they can do it, why you are good at what you do. So remember that as you go through this journey, as you're a private practice owner, never lose sight of the experience that you've gained and why everyone thinks they can start their own practice is because you make it look that easy. That's the ultimate compliment. That's what I have for you. Dr. Lily out.